Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of the fight game here on 1230 The Game. And it's a jam-packed show for you today. So much to talk about. As I say every week, I know I say it every week, that there's so much to talk about in combat sports. And we're not going to get to everything. I mean, there's always so much to get to that we might just miss. Hey, maybe you want to talk about Cobra Kai. Maybe you want to hear my thoughts about the new season of Cobra Kai. I mean, there's just anything and everything is on the table here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. And I thank you for listening. But today... We've got an exciting show, the guest lineup that we have for you. Mick Akers from the Review Journal is going to be joining the show to talk about some boxing. I know that if you're in the Vegas area, you know Mick as, hey, if something big is going on in town, he's going to tell you about it. You know the Super Bowl, he's going to break that news. He's going to, you know, the travel and transportation area. You know, Elon Musk with that tunnel. Mick's got you covered on that as well. But Mick is also a pro boxing writer i mean he even has a, a vote for the boxing hall of fame so mick knows his boxing and we're going to talk to him and about 12 15 we're going to talk to mick about some boxing secure stevenson he missed weight at 130 but he after that fight you know can say go he beat him can say oh he beat him pretty easily but Shakur Stevenson, he's already talking about moving up to 135. Once you miss the weight, it's time. It's the natural progression of things with boxing. And Shakur Stevenson, friend of the show, Shakur Stevenson, going to be moving up to 135 soon. Going to talk to Mick Akers about where and who he could be fighting at 135 in the lightweight division in boxing. And then around 1230, we're going to have Ryan McKinnell join the show. Another good friend of the show, the Mac Attack. We're going to talk about the next big thing in the UFC, Bo Nickel. As this guy is on a tear, winning the Dana White Contender Series, and they wasted no time. He wins the fight on Tuesday for the Contender Series. Today, it's already announced that he's got a fight for UFC 282 here in Vegas in December. And then we're going to wrap up with a few good minutes because Danny was telling me this. I'll get a little bit of more info on that later. But I guess there's more Tom Hardy news, more to be discovered about Tom Hardy and the jujitsu ex exploits that he's on. I mean, we, t we talked about it last week, but I guess we're going to do a follow-up segment this week as well because Tom Hardy, we cannot sleep on that. But something that I did want to touch on, UFC Vegas, two, UFC Vegas 61 is going to be taking place this Saturday at the UFC Apex right here in Vegas. Dern versus Jan, that is the main event. And the card is going to be exciting. I always say about every card that I go to at the Apex, it was better than I expected. I had more fun going in because you go in, it's like, hey, there's only one or two ranked fighters on the show. What am I going to expect? And it always entertains every card that I have been to at the Apex delivers. But I'm not going to be at the one this Saturday at the Apex. And Mackenzie Dern, who's going to be main eventing, she made some headlines when she spoke at the media day for the UFC promoting this fight, as she said, hey, no fans are going to be there either because it's been rented out. The UFC Apex has been rented out by Mark Zuckerberg, and this is going to be a meta Facebook exclusive UFC event. You can only, you're only going to be able to come if Mark Zuckerberg gave you the invitation. Of course, you can watch the fight on ESPN+. Plus. But if there are a couple of empty seats, I mean, that's going to be a spectacle to see. But this is just what Mackenzie Dern said 
at the press conference at media day. Dana White has since come back and doubled down. Well, Dana White has shut down those rumors altogether. I mean, he is emphatically saying that that is BS, that Mark Zuckerberg did not rent out the UFC Apex as a Mark Zuckerberg exclusive show. Now, I don't know who to believe, and I will not be at the Apex on Saturday. But if anyone, think about all the billionaires out there in the world, I can't name them all on one hand. But if you were thinking about someone who's got the juice to say, hey, Dana, I'm going to rent out the Apex. You know, you can't obviously, the UFC, they have to make their money. Can't do this on an arena show. But for the UFC Apex to say, hey, I'm just going to rent it out. Just, you know, a couple of my employees, a couple of close friends. Who knows what the case is going to be? Who's got the juice to pull something off like that? It would be Mark Zuckerberg. I don't I, I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg is even a mixed martial arts fan. Like I said, Dana White has shot down these rumors that, hey, this is not Mark Zuckerberg who is renting out the UFC Apex. But somebody's running out the UFC Apex. So this is going to be a, a mystery onto why the UFC Apex is going to be close to, fran- to fans as you cannot get tickets for this UFC Vegas 61 card. And this is why the UFC is always intriguing because you think, hey, Dern, Jan, all right, a good main event at straw weight. Let's see what happens there. But now the bigger news is going to be, is Mark Zuckerberg there? Is Mark Zuckerberg wrenching out the UFC apex? Yes, for me, I hate to say it. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be watching it from home like everyone else because none of us can get a ticket. But I'm just going to look around for some camera movements, maybe a couple of angles. Is Zuckerberg there? Am I going to be able to see the billionaire that is Mark Zuckerberg on camera on ESPN Plus to see if maybe this is some sort of meta by a meta company party. Hey, we're all going to gather around and watch the UFC live. And I know that we're going to be talking to Ryan McKinnell about him at 1230, but I just want to give you a little bit of a prep because at the apex, Dana White was also there on Tuesday as Bo Nickel secured his UFC contract This guy is the real deal. I'm calling him the next big thing. I don't know if you go back to the WWE that far. When Brock Lesnar first came in after he was a heavyweight champ in Minnesota, he was billed as the next big thing. And that's what Bo Nickel's going to be in the UFC middleweight division. I mean, this guy's got it all. Won his last fight within a minute with the triangle choke, dropped the guy with a left hand, got the full mount. This guy is looking like he is something special. And I cannot wait to talk about that. Rosas Jr., he he got signed two weeks ago, and he's the youngest fighter in the UFC at 135 in the Bantamweight division at 17. But we all know that he's going to have to develop. It's going to take some time. You know, you're not going to try to feed a 17-year-old to some top competition, even though he did win that contract fight, you know, the Dana White Contender Series. But, man, the Dana White Contender Series, it's really just producing some stars. Sean O'Malley, friend of the show, Jamal Hill. But it's going to be interesting to see the two stars that they've been able to pluck in just a couple of weeks here with Rosas Jr. and Bo Nickel. And we're also going to be talking some WWE, some AEW. And another thing that AEW, they keep doing it. AEW, they just keep doing it. It's the 
hey, we're going to bring someone out for the sake of a pop, the pop for just pop's sake. As Soraya, formerly of Paige in the WWE, she makes her debut at Grand Slam, and it's great. Everyone clears out the ring, but she doesn't touch anyone. Why is that? Because she probably can't get physically cleared because of the neck injury. She makes another return last night and says that she is the revolution at AEW. And it's just going to be interesting to see that Tony Khan sign another former WWE superstar that isn't going to be able to compete. That's just going to be a mouthpiece. So many signings where it's, hey, they said, hey, we don't want the ex-WWE guys. And they bring in more ex-WWE people and it, the roster is just getting too bloated. We see the concerns with Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews as these Two guys, they're both taking time off. That's two-thirds of the House of Black that's gone because AEW wasn't the greener pastures that they envisioned that it would be. You got Malachi Black who had to come on Instagram Live and shut down rumors that, hey, I'm not going back to WWE. I am staying with AEW. And I do think that maybe that's a little bit of the White Rabbit storyline that's going on in WWE and maybe Tony Khan put in the call, hey, let the internet know that you're staying here, that your contract is locked up, that you legitimately are just taking some time off. Because it's just a little too much. It's a little too much, too mu- too on the nose for after Monday Night Raw where people go to scan a QR code. and It's like, hey, could Aleister Black be returning to the WWE that he has to go out and make an IG live about, hey, guys. I'm not going there. I think that someone got in his ear and said, hey, we know you're not going, but just shut down the rumors anyway. And a few years ago, it was, hey, WWE, they're hoarding their roster. They don't want people to go to AEW. And now we're seeing when the shoe's on the other foot, AEW is doing the exact same thing of people who are a little unhappy. Maybe they want to get out of their contracts, but AEW saying, hey, you're signed to a contract multiple years. We're not just going to release you and give you the 60, 90 day non-compete clause that's usually in these contracts when someone leaves. So the upstart, the plucky upstart promotion is now looking just like the big bad wolf when it comes to holding talent accountable and making them stay for the duration of their contracts. But you haven't seen that much uprage about it. And I wonder why. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal as we're going to talk Shakur Stevenson and what's possible in the lightweight division in boxing. And, you know, of course, got to hit all the big stories in boxing when we come back with Mick Akers here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Damon Cotton. And welcome back to The Fight Game here on 1230 The Game. And I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I know what some of you are thinking, Mick Akers, the sports business and transportation journalist. Yes, that is a part of what he does at the Review Journal. But Mick also knows his boxing. And we're going to talk about Shakur Stevenson and the lightweight division. How are you doing today, Mick? Hey, good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Now, let's talk about it. Shakur Stevenson, you know, he misses weight at 130. And he already, he says after the fight, I'm going to move up to 135. The fight against Kinsaysal, he put on a surgical performance. He does the Shakur Stevenson things. It's one of those fights where you watch it and, you know, Shakur, he does what you knew he was going to do in the fight. But now it's the move up to 135 that's got people talking. But let's take it back to the fight just a little bit. What did you see that you liked from Shakur in that fight? Uh, you know, he, he was 
kind of patient at times, but he, he was obviously looking to push the action. Um, kind of did what he does. He's pretty accurate, has a good jab, kind of fought behind that. So um, kind of just played his his uh, his game plan out, I would say. Obviously, people were hoping for a KO, which, you know, is the case in most fights, but obviously that didn't come. So, uh, no, he looked great. Um, just kind of a good segue into 135 for him, I think. And at 135, we know that Devin Haney, he has all the titles, and he's going to be t- having a rematch with George Cambosas in October. But what's going to be next for Shakur? Because we know, hey, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, these guys are talking about moving up to 140. Vasily Lomachenko, I think that he should get the winner of Haney and Cambosas. So where does that leave Shakur Stevenson? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainties. Obviously, there's some big fights that can be made, but, you know, there's so much, like you mentioned, some people looking maybe to move up. People already have fights set up and possible next opponents. Uh, so he's just going to have to kind of go down the line and, you know, figure out who's going to stick around and, you know, has some, some name. Obviously, um, you know, he could maybe step in with that decree, someone, someone like, you know, around those lines there. Um, but, you know, the, the, the big fight is what he's looking for. So I, I'm gonna, I assume he's looking for maybe Loma, um, possibly, you know, Haney, if he wants to stick around, but, you know, you mentioned the Cambosis as well. Um, I think it, he's going to have to wait for those to shuffle around, so maybe get in a fight or two before the, he fights one of those guys, and, you know, I would assume that's going to take place maybe sometime next spring. And you mentioned sometime next spring, but let's go ahead and try to predict the future a little bit. I think that Haney, he's going to handle Cambosis as easily as he did in the first fight, so who are you picking, or what are you predicting for a Haney-Lomachenko fight? Yeah, it's gonna be a close one. Obviously, um, you know I, I'm a big uh, Haney guy, so I, I'm gonna take him over Loma. Obviously, uh, it'll be very competitive, uh, but I, I just like Haney what he brings. He's you know got the power, he got the skills as well. So um, I think you know if they eventually end up fighting in the spring. Uh, I, you know I'll take Haney on that, which would you know possibly open up Haney versus uh, you know <laughs> Stevenson here, but. Like you mentioned, man, there's so many so many things going on there, people talking, moving up, and it's just really hard to predict what he's going to do. So it's kind of the, one of those divisions that has a lot of uncertainty. With, um, but, you know, Stevenson has that name and drawing power, so you never know. One of these guys can stick around and say, hey, I want to fight this guy, you know, get that big fight going, and then maybe move up after that. And two of the guys that we talked about that are, maybe they're moving up, maybe they aren't, with Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis, what do you think, would one of those guys, would you think that they even would stand a chance against Shakur Stevenson or would their best move maybe to just be to move up to 140? Uh, obviously, Davis has the power. Uh, so, you know, all it takes is, you know, one or two punches from him and, you know, he can pretty much knock anyone out. So, uh, you know, I, I'd give him a shot. Obviously, you look at Garcia, you know, a lot of people point to him being more of a social media guy than a natural fighter. They look at his, you know, his career at this point and, you know, not much of substance there. Obviously, he has the quick hand, but... Um, I would like that fight because they've had some good jabs back and forth, you know, over social media. So that'd be kind of a good fight to put together. Obviously, when you bring any kind of big name fighter, you also got to bring in their promoters. So um, it's going to be tough to make those fights with top rank and then Golden Boy and such. Um, so, and then, you know, Davis, if, who knows with Mayweather promotions, what's going to happen by then. Um, so um, that's another element you got to bring in the promoters. How are we going to get these fights made? Obviously, uh, Loma's with top rank as well. So, uh, you know, I think, or Haney. So either one of those two guys, I think would be more of a, you know, a possibility to actually fight um, Stevenson here. So um, just looking around, obviously those promoters have halted fights from happening, you know, at all, or they're going to happen too late. So, you know, I, I'd assume that would also be in play here as well. 
Again, we're talking to Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And Mick, now the fight that I do want to see happen the most out of everything that could happen in this lightweight division would be Devin Haney versus Shakur Stevenson. So amongst those two, I know you said you're a big Haney guy, but who would you favor on paper? You know, that one, you know, I think it's a pretty fair fight. So I'm going to, it's going to be tough to pick right now. Um, just, I would have to see at first, you know, Stevenson, if he gets a fight at 135 before that and see how he does. Obviously, it's a natural progression in most fighters that start at a lower weight. They move up. It's, you know, it's just one of those things that happens. So, so a lot of people look and see if they can carry the power over and they're going to carry the speed over. And when they, you know, they bulk up a little bit, obviously jumping from 130 to 135 is not the biggest thing. So, you know, I think he's going to be fine on that aspect. Uh, so, I'll have to wait to see how he does. You know, his first fight was 135, but, you know, I think it'd be, you know, fairly even fight. These guys kind of have, you know, some similar skill sets, um, both, you know, solid boxers and they have some power behind them. You know, obviously not the biggest punchers, but, um, you know, I think that'd be the, the better fight on paper, you know, of all those three. The, you know, that Haney versus Stevenson would be, you know, something I'd like to see as well. All right, I want to get your opinion on the big fight that's going to be happening at welterweight here in vegas in a little bit in a couple of months terrence crawford earl spence jr i mean not just asking you even who you got first but how much how much have you been anticipating this fight and you finally get to see it like are you excited for this fight as much as i am oh yeah you know it's, it's one of the fights that everyone's waiting for and then it, it's the, hey it's gonna happen and it's the, hey it's not gonna happen it's you know we've seen that several times over the years and then these usually end up happening too late as i mentioned before so you know if you get this one you know this year it'll be it'll be yeah it'd be awesome to see obviously uh, two of the biggest names it's going to be one of the biggest fights you know in the last few years so you know especially happening in las vegas this is going to be you know a huge fight weekend you know with that occurs with the winner of that fight, would that be your number one at pound for pound? Yeah, I would have to say so. Obviously, a lot of people kind of shuffle out and they have, you know, butt up there right now anyway. So, you know, just if you look at different lists. So, if you, if, you know, you have that fight, the winner is definitely going to be up there because, you know, some of the people are, are still up there right now. With, uh, yeah, Canelo obviously looked good in his last fight, but he, he came off a loss just before that. You got Fury kind of... If, he, if he's not going to fight, he's going to fight, and he keeps coming back and forth with that. So, you, you know, you, you can knock him down as well. So, you know, I think the winner of that is definitely going to be the number one pound for pound. Again, we're talking to Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow him at Mick Akers on Twitter. Now, Mick, I only got a few more questions for you. Now, I'm just going to hit the whole gambit in boxing because Tyson Fury, he keeps mentioning deadlines for Anthony Joshua and if he's going to take that fight. Do you think that Tyson Fury wants to fight Anthony Joshua or just wants to keep his name, you know, just relevant? Because I really think that he wants to stay retired, but still wants the buzz of will he or won't he? Yeah, you know, he, he's a master classman, uh, you know, kind of self-promoting. He's, he's very good at doing that, obviously, on social media. When he has his fights, he's, it's always a show. He's in there singing and putting on a whole production. So, you know, he, he's not one that, you know, shies away from the limelight. So, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's a little bit more of a ploy than him actually trying to get that made. Obviously, you know, Joshua has had his issues in you know, the last few fights he's had. And he keeps calling him the bodybuilder and all that stuff. So, you know, it's just him kind of keeping his name out there. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to do much. Once he says anything, it gets picked up by most media and it kind of goes around internationally. So um, I think on that end, you know, it, it's more of a show and pony you know dog and pony show as far as that is opposed to him trying to make the fight happen because we all know fights don't get made on social media they get made in the background so this was one of those cases where he just kind of you know keeping his name out there keeping it relevant 
But do you think that Anthony Joshua is done after the second loss to Usyk? Do you think that, hey, maybe that he needs to take that step down in competition, maybe make a Deontay Wilder fight happen and leave the upper echelon of the heavyweight division? No, I've always wanted to see that fight. You know, I'd like to see that. And I wouldn't, you know, necessarily say Wilder, you know, below the upper echelon. Obviously, him and Fury had, the, you know, those two, or, you know, most of them were pretty competitive. Obviously, he relies heavily on his knockout power, which can happen at any time. But, you know, his boxing abilities aren't as good as, say, you know, Fury or someone like that or Usyk. So, um, yeah, you know, I would say that'd be a great fight to put together, especially, you know, if they can obviously do it. It'd be great out there, you know, overseas or even here in Vegas, um, two big name fighters like that always draw crowds, especially heavyweights, which is a rarity these days. So, um, you know, that'd be a great fight, you know, for both Wilder and Joshua. All right, Mick, and something that I want to ask you about, because you're plugged in on everything that's going to happen in the city. If something's coming to Vegas, you're going to be the first person to know about it. So Formula One, they have a launch party that's set for November. Do you have any details about what's actually going to be happening at this party? Yeah, so um, the first part of it's going to be like the whole public spectacle. They're going to have all kinds of events, uh, some drivers, some cars down here. You can meet and greet them. You kind of get the feel. But they're also going to have some kind of run on the strip. So they're actually going to shut down some portion of the strip for that and give it, you have a you know a small taste of what's to come next in November. So you're going to see some of these uh, race cars. I think it's a pair of race cars going to be on the strip. Um, I would assume doing some burnouts or something along those lines. It's kind of, you know, get the hype going on that. And then from there, they're going to move into a VIP party where the killers are supposed to play what they're calling an intimate uh, show. So um, it's going to give you a little bit of taste of what F1's going to bring to Vegas. It's always a huge spectacle. You look around the world where they had it. They had it in Miami uh, this past year, and, you know, A-list celebrities were everywhere. They had all kinds of events leaning up to it. You know, it's not just the race itself. It's three days of racing, you know, from the qualifying practice and then the race itself. And then there's also tons of events surrounding it, um, all kinds of stuff. Obviously, in Vegas, we don't have any issues drawing any kind of star power. So I think this is going to be one of the, the more, you know, the more major weekends we've ever seen here in Las Vegas. And, you know, this uh, next uh, November, that little kickoff party is going to give you just a small taste of what to expect next year. Oh, man, I can't wait for it. And I know you're going to have it covered, Mick. Thank you for joining me here on the fight game today on 1230 The Game. Before I let you out of here, anything that you need to tell the fans about? I know, you know, just keep an eye. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of Raiders covers going on here. Uh, any kind of, you know, build up to the Crawford Spence fight, we'll have that as well. You know, just keep a lookout at ReviewJournal.com. All right. Thank you, Mick. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate having me. And that was Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow him at Mick Akers on Twitter. Subscribe. I mean, come on, follow the guy. You can also subscribe to the Las Vegas Review Journal. They always have a great deal going because they've got Raiders coverage. They've got boxing covered. The entire team over there does a great job. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the fight game. And welcome back to the fight game. And my next guest is a great friend of the show, Ryan McKinnell from Sirius XM. Ryan, I want to talk to you about professional wrestling, but now I've got to talk to you about <laughs> the next big thing in the UFC, Bo Nickel. Are you surprised by how how dominant he's looked on the Dana White Contender Series? Yeah, I, I mean, I got to be honest to a little bit. Uh, and listen, don't, you know. Don't feel bad about the pro wrestling because Bo Nichols was called out after his victory in the Contender Series that, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be doing some action in the WWE. He called out one of the Paul brothers and said, you know, we can get it in the squared circle as well. So this is a young man, I think he's 26 years old, that is uh, very astute and very aware of his money-making capabilities. But to his talent, 
to the way he's just washing people at a pro level. And, and the fellow that he beat, uh, Donovan Beard, over the week or uh, earlier in the week, uh, Damon, you know, he was a, uh, a champion in CFSC. Like, it, it's not not an organization. Like, it's a good organization. This wasn't just some scrub off the street. And it's uh, the way Bo Nickel puts everything together. You knew he'd have the wrestling. You knew he'd have the ground game. You knew he'd have the sort of the athletic prowess. But the fact that he's stringing it all together, the the angles that he takes on the feet, how comfortable he looks in the stand-up demand, and then you saw the finish uh, on Tuesday night, the roll-up into that arm bar and how quickly he transitioned. He is uh, he seems to be light years ahead of just about anyone I've ever seen in just three professional fights. It is extremely impressive. And you always want to watch the hyperbole, but I also at the same time have to be honest. All right, and the UFC, they're not wasting any time with him as they've already announced the next fight. They announced it today. He's going to be fighting at UFC 282 in December against Jamie Pickett. Now, Jamie Pickett, I do remember his last fight. He did unfortunately lose. He's on a two-fight losing streak. But do you think that he's being sacrificed at the bone nickel altar? Do you think that this is going to be an actual competitive fight? I think everyone's uh, going to be being sacrificed at the bone nickel altar for the next about year. I don't think they're going to throw him anyone that he's not going to feast on. Like, that's how good this young man is. For those that don't know, three-time national champion in, in collegiate wrestling. Uh, uh, he'll train with some of the best in the world, Hodge Award winner. I mean, this guy is, in terms of blue-chip prospects, coming out of the, also the American Top Team gym, where he's working with some of the best fighters in the world, past, present, and, you know, really the future. Uh, it's beyond impressive. And, yeah, Jimmy Pickett's in, in deep trouble. Um, I... Saw someone, Aaron Bronstetter from uh, TSN up in Canada, tweeted early in the week that uh, Bo Nickel would probably be a favorite against the majority of all the middleweights in the in the UFC right now, except maybe three or four. And I really started looking at the rankings and where it sits. And again, the line is determined by the hate, the height. Vegas, you know this. It's determined by the betters and the people that are approaching the window. But there are a lot of people, a lot of smart people that are high on Bo Nickel. And, and I don't think you're going to see him really tested uh, for a couple of fights. I just don't think, first of all, you just can't give him top 15 and top 10 opponents right off the bat. I think there's a lot of us that think he could and he would still win. But you also have to be mindful of what this sport is and what an early loss could do and a setback could do. Because we've seen it with other athletes. Now, I don't think Bo Nickel is that other athlete. I think he is a special type, one-of-one one generational. But time will tell everything is screaming that this dude is going to be a potential future champion, and the UFC is really uh, lucked out because Bo Nickel, it seems from like a jump, he's wanted to make money, he's wanted to be the best in the world, and he really only wanted to fight for the UFC. So this is, uh, this is a match we're going to be seeing for quite some time. Again, we're talking to Ryan McKennell here on the fight game on 1230 The Game, and someone that he also called out, Hamza Jimenev. Do you think that maybe down the road, obviously not right now, but how do you think that would shape up? Because Hamzat, he's calling out Kobe. He wants Kobe next. So do you even think that Hamzat should even stay at 170, or should he be looking at 185? I think Hamzat should look at either weight class. Um, I listen, we don't even know if he can make 170 again. He's a big boy, and then... <laughs> I mean, he missed weight so badly in that proposed Diaz fight that never happened, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. that got shifted around because Hamzat came in eight and a half pounds over the welterweight limit. I mean, it was disgraceful. Now, <laughs> it's uh, what have you done for me now, business, Demond? You know that. And, and, and Hamzat is such a prospect that the UFC is not going to you know, slap him on the wrist too hard. So um, I think he's going to be able to kind of pick what he wants to do next. 
I don't think there's going to be a lot of people signing up to fight him. I don't think Colby Covington wants any of that smoke with Hamzat Chemaev. In fact, Mom, like when I think about Hamzat Chemaev and the possibility of him, you know, fighting a bow nickel, I just I get really excited because I honestly, I mean, maybe in the last ten years. I would say Hamzat is one of, if not the best prospect in terms of the way they looked early on in their UFC career. Uh, and then Bo Nickel comes after that. So it's like an idea of Hamzat and, and, and Bo Nickel meeting is, is, is so enticing because they're the two best prospects that have come along in quite some time. And I, would, I don't know. I mean, like, listen, Nickel's a, a middleweight, and he's a big middleweight. Hamzat's a welterweight, and he's a big welterweight. They can certainly need at 185. You know, down the road, if Hamzat you know feels about going up to 185, that is a, a prospect match made in heaven. I would do if I was the UFC though, I would stay away from it uh, unless it was for gold. It reminds me very much of when like Junior Dos Santos and Cain Velasquez were coming up as heavyweights in the heavyweight division, where you saw them and you knew that they were probably both going to be championship material. So just let them build, let them take out everybody else, and then when they meet, make it on the biggest stage possible. I think Hamzat Shemaev is absolutely going to be the welterweight champion if he can make, uh, you know, welterweight weight, and I still think he could be a problem and maybe the champion at middleweight. And Bo Nickel, he has future champion written all over him. It's a really good time right now in the middleweight welterweight divisions if you're the UFC because there's just a lot to like, and and Hamzat and Nickel are a, a big part of that. All right, and now we're going to move on to pro wrestling because there's a lot to talk about. I mean, haven't talked to you since I saw you over at the press conference for Crown ah, Jewel where we saw yeah. Logan Paul. The match is going to happen in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, him against the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Now, going into that press conference, what were your expectations going in? Are you more excited for that match now that we know that it's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what my expectations were. It was a... Uh... You know, it was, it was interesting. I wonder how much of it was them actually promoting that uh, fight in Saudi Arabia and how much of it was that Stephanie McMahon and, and Triple H wanted to go to Triple G Canelo 3. Uh, I think they wanted an excuse to be in Vegas and they found themselves in our city and uh, they were having a good old time. But the match itself, I mean, you can't deny Demond Mios as well as I do the run that Roman Reigns is on right now. And yes, Predetermined, and we all know what professional wrestling is, which you have to understand as we switch from MMA to pro wrestling. There's some people probably there that don't always understand the business. You know, the, the belt is given to the champion uh, with the idea that the locker room is behind you. They're out there selling tickets at house shows. They're a commodity. Thus, if you're bringing in big gates, you're responsible for everyone else's check getting a boost. You're responsible for their kids eating a little bit better, going to a better school. You feel a lot of... Um, responsibility when you're the champion of the WWE locker room. And, and there is no question that Roman Reigns is that champion right now. What he is doing in the storyline that he's been in battle with for better part of two years has been absolutely some of the most entertaining storytelling that WWE slash WWF has ever done in my life. I have, I, it just, it doesn't come along this often, right? So I, I don't think, Logan Paul is going to beat Roman Reigns. I think it's a stop on the way to WrestleMania in Los Angeles, which is hopefully a return of his blood, his family, his oos. Roman, uh, I'm talking about his family, is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. There's been rumors that we're going to get The Rock and Roman in Los Angeles. If that happens, Logan Paul is a nice little stopover in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and it's going to do a ton of attention. You know how popular Logan Paul is in, in social media and on YouTube. And he's winning over WWE fans, pro wrestling fans too, Demond, because when that kid steps in the ring, 
that dude can work. You saw his frog splash at uh, at SummerSlam. Like the, the guy's got talent, and, he, and he's really good on the microphone. So I expect it to be a really good match, but I, I expect Roman to walk out as champ. Oh yeah, as we would say in the back, you're talking about Roman Reigns being the champ. Thanks for the house. And Roman yeah. Reigns, he is responsible for bringing in gate after gate of record attendance for the WWE. Yep. And something that I also want to mention, you're like, hey, people get to eat because Roman is champion. He is bringing in more fans. How soon do you think they're going to sell out of the honorary Oost t-shirt that Sami Zayn got? Because that was one of the best segments in SmackDown. I'm not going to say in history, but at least the past five years where I was wrapped in it up. Is Sami getting kicked out? Jay's looking a little too excited, but it's take that shirt off and he gets the honorary Oost t-shirt. Was that some of the best like storytelling WWE's done in a while? Yeah, I mean it's they're they're finding that perfect balance of seriousness. For Roman is a part of a extremely a tradition, a heralded family bloodline that, that, that as I mentioned, you know, uh, Soul Man Rocky Johnson and, and Adamaya Via and Dwayne and then the Rikishi and the, I mean just the list goes on and on and on. Apple and Seeker, the Wild Samoans, like they're they're deep in the game, right? So you you have this head of the table. He's linked with his cousins, the Usos. Uh, you know, the, the, this heralded tag team right now in professional wrestling in the WWE, right? And he's got this serious edge, and then he got this crazy. Canadian ginger Sami Zayn out there trying to like butter up to him and throwing out you know slang like betting on God and it's just he's just hamming it up so you've got this ultra serious violent side and this comedic relief element that, that Sami Zayn is playing so well into he really is a Swiss Army knife of enjoyment and entertainment for them and yeah man the entire package the last the seriousness I mean, in Vegas, just uh, a little over a year ago, we got one of the best stories of Roman Reigns' career. And keep in mind, this has been a two-plus-year run that he's been on as this champion. He faced John Cena at Allegiant Stadium at SummerSlam, and that was, you know, that was big-time wrestling. That was, I mean, we know Cena, Peacemaker, Hollywood, Fast and the Furious. News on commercials everywhere. He was the next in line from that Rock, Hogan, whatever lineage that you, you Austin. Cena was that to an entire generation, and now Roman Reigns is becoming that. And what's interesting, Demond, and you know this, is he was kind of being shoved down fans' throats to begin with, and they kind of, it was similar to like Rocky Maivia when he showed up, and then he had a transition to The Rock. Fans didn't like it. They didn't want to be told what to like, so they kind of rebelled against Roman Reigns. Didn't really take to him, and now we hit here six, seven, eight years later, and the fans can't get enough of him because he's leaning into the bad guy, leaning into being the heel, and he's just absolutely killing it. And it's a, it's a really exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan because obviously you got WWE doing this thing at a really high level, especially since Triple H took over. And then obviously you got AEW doing their thing. And the independent scene in Vegas, Demond, you know that. we got the Women's Wrestling League out there. We've got FSW. I mean, we've got so many different organizations that are throwing shows all over town. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and Ryan, something that you mentioned there, you said that fans were being, Roman Reigns was being shoved down fans' throats. And a part of that reason was CM Punk, Phil Brooks. I, we, I haven't talked to you yet about the debacle that was all out. And now that we've seen that, like, what's going to happen now in AEW? John Moxley, he's now the three-time AEW champion. We know that MJF is going to be hot on his tail. But what are, your, what are your thoughts about, hey, the fight with the EVPs to now John Moxley being the AEW champion once again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, there's rumors out there and there's been reports. I don't know how many people want to believe them or how much truth is this, but a lot of people out there that think CM Punk has wrestled his last match in an AEW ring, which might be his last, his last match 
uh, ever in professional wrestling. And if that's the case, it's just going to be a, a really sad, odd end to what was a, um, a fun run for, for, a, a, for, I think, for an entire generation of fans. You could even call him a pioneer, along with like Danielson and a few others from that, that mid-2000s ROH era that really brought in a, a new era to the WWE. And, I mean, he cuts the pipe bomb, the infamous pipe bomb promo at Thomas and Mack in 2011. Um, he, he kind of changed the business. I was there that night. I mean, ESPN was getting headlines. Um, and then he walked away. Right? He walked away for like eight years, nine years, went into the UFC, had, you know, wrote comic books and, you know, buddied up to Mark Marin and did a little Hollywood thing. And yeah, it's just the whole, I mean, for those that don't know, there's just a lot of controversy to this final match that, that Punk had in AEW back at All Out at the uh, beginning of September. There was rumored to be a fight. There's fighting involved, chairs being thrown. Um, lawsuits are allegedly, it, 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 you know, happening right now. It's just this, it's this wild scenario or a police investigation. It's this wild scenario where I almost felt like DeMond CM Punk was asking for it. He, they threw one of those scrum pressers after all out and he, and he went to the dais and he just, he basically called into question. I, I mean, listen, pro wrestlers aren't mixed martial artists, but they can beat up Phil Brooks. Like he called out an entire locker room and basically said, you know, if you want something or you want to say something to my face, I'll write in these hallways and you can come get at me, do something. And DeMond, that's like essentially just going out the street of Fremont and looking someone in the eyes and being like, where are you from? Like, it's just... No, but Ryan, here's the difference, though. With CM Punk, I felt that it was the guy who, yeah, he got embarrassed a couple of times in the UFC, but he was looking at right. the Young Bucks like, but you can't whoop me. I'll take a lot of disrespect, but not from you. Yeah, well, they can, and uh, they probably did. You know what I mean? Like, just like, have you seen CM Punk fight? I feel pretty confident that I could go into a room with my friends and bust him in the head and, and not worry about my health and safety too much. Like, he doesn't scare me. And he was talking super spicy on that microphone, almost like he called it down, like he called down the thunder and he wanted it. It was really odd. He buried the company, I felt like, in the process. He had Tony Khan, you know, the owner of AEW and son of Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Chad Khan, uh, sitting there on the dais looking kind of confused. You know he respects him because he brought him over and he paid him the money to be there, but uh, I, I don't know what to make of this. It's a really bad situation in AEW, but you know what? A lot of times in the history of pro wrestling, that is made for awesome storytelling. So you look at one of the most infamous uh, rivalries of, of our lifetime, and, and a lot of fans out there listening, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, they hated each other. They did not like each other. And, and they worked some of the best matches of all time with one another and obviously some of the more intriguing storylines of all time that we still talk about today. And, of course, referencing the infamous Montreal Screwjob, but... If AEW can figure out a way to make this work, I think they're going to do gangbusters because you can take that real-life animosity and you can make it into a story. And then you put that a live microphone and you put it on Wednesday nights on Turner Broadcasting. Who knows what could come from that? So uh, hopefully they can work it out. But you know what? It could also just be uh, too far gone. And, and I, what a weird period. And a, what a, what a, It was a one-year run. It was all out to all out. It was Chicago to Chicago. Two of them, I mean, it was separated by one year. And to think of everything that happened in that year and that you might not wrestle there again, it's, it's really crazy to think about. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got to run. This has been Ryan McKinnell from SiriusXM. Thank you so much. We're going to chat soon. Thanks, Tomorrow.
All right, that was Ryan McKennell. I wish we could have talked to him more. I could talk to Ryan all day. MMA, wrestling, rap. I mean, this guy is literally an encyclopedia on everything. But don't go anywhere because we're going to wrap up the show with a few good minutes as Danny is still hot on the trail on Tom Hardy. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Excuse me. I need a moment of silence so I can get into a meditative state where I block out any and all irritating white noise. I call it my happy place. Un momento! Un momento! I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. I see what's going on here. I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A few minutes later. All right, fellas. A few good minutes today. You know what? We we usually don't do this. But a few good minutes is going to be a follow-up on the hard-hitting journalism that we delivered last week because I come into the studio and Danny's got an update for me. He's like, did you hear about Tom Hardy? And I'm like, tell me more. So, Danny, take it away. Uh, yeah, so apparently Hardy signed up to participate in two more uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments in December. All right, so he won that last one, right? So give us some more qualifications. What's the weight he's competing at? Like, what kind of division is this? Gi, no gi? Uh, so apparently, the tournaments will be on back-to-back weekends in December, one on the 3rd and one on the 11th. And uh, one of them, it looks like it is a no gi competition uh, scheduled for 79.5 kilograms, which is 175 pounds at the Master 3 division. I don't know how many master divisions there are, but three seems pretty good. All right, master three. And Tom Hardy, I already looked this part up. He's 45 years old. You know, so, I mean, that's still, you know, he's got some old man strength. He's already developed that. We know. I mean, he had some young man strength. Of course he did. But Tom Hardy is going to be, you know, just a topic of conversation because we've got, are these tournaments, are they in um, the UK? Uh, Yes, they are both in London. Mm-hmm. I just, I am so, he's 45. He's 45 and he's an actor. And he's literally like, what? I got some time off. (laughs) I'm going to go do a tournament. Yeah, why not? I would love to be able to pursue my passions like this. If you ever look up Mickey Rourke, he used to be pretty before, uh, before he started boxing in his spare time. This is not a good way to keep going. Yeah, but the good thing about jujitsu is there's no... There's no punching or kicking. Yeah, maybe he just, like, you know, breaks an arm. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Well, we've already seen him uh, break a shoulder in Warrior. Exactly. And we've <laughs> and seen him back break... To, back-to-back weekends, we've seen him... Uh, he's already done a Grand Prix-style <laughs> tournament in Warrior. And, Danny, you also said that this is um, the over-40 division or something like that? Yeah, I believe I saw 41 and up was the oh. division that he's um, that he's going to be partaking in. How pissed off do you have to be if you're, like, 41, you feel like, okay, I finally get to, like, fight against guys my own age, and Tom Bleeping Hardy shows up, and you're like, oh, come on! No, like we said last week, it's going to be the, oh, no, I'm going to take down the guy from Warrior. I'm taking out Bane from Batman. And then he whipped their butt. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to go in with that, with that mindset that you're going to beat him, though. 
I mean, because if I'm over 40, like you said, man, this is this guy's like you're training on, you're training, you get the weekend away from the kids and your family, and you're just like, ah, oh, man, I got a jujitsu you, tournament coming up. You're jumping, on, you're jumping the cage. You're like, this is the man that made it where we no longer have next generation movies. He was in, he was the reason. What's a next generation movie? Star Trek: The Next Generation. He played young Jean Luc Picard, and they basically that movie was so bad they went, "Let's reset this with Chris Pine." They literally the movie they they ended a movie series because Tom Hardy was young Captain Jean Luc Picard. And who was that? Uh, the actor. Patrick Stewart? Okay. Th- hey, man, I you're talking about Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie. You know, uh, so, Jared, you really threw me off there with the, with the, when the no, divulge I just, I, I into the Star the, Trek talk. His first leading role in a movie was he played young Patrick Stewart, and then basically that tanked his career, and he had to come back as this hugely muscular guy. Because if you look at him, he looked like a young Patrick Stewart. And then... That movie was so bad that he went, I got to put on like 80 pounds of muscle. Just be weird. Maybe even never show your face in a movie again. <laughs> I mean, but come on. So, Jared, you mentioned something off air and you said that, hey, if you were 41 years old. No, not even if you were 41. You're like, oh, these 41 year olds, they can't be that tough. Right. I so, said, I said, oh, well, I thought, OK, I thought he was competing in like um, an open like there's 22 year olds. Up to 45, which is his age. I thought he was like, I didn't know he was going against the like other 40-year-olds. Because, yeah, other 40-year-olds, I'd take Tom Hardy 10 times out of 10. But if it was like against a 24-year-old who's... The guy, whoever came in second place in any of these tournaments, what are you doing against that other 40-year-old? Uh, Is it called Karening, where you call the cops when you see them coming? <laughs> so like, you are... uh, Do I have 10 years to train? He's he's got a flag in his in his belt, and as soon as the guy charges him, hold on, I'm done. No, nope, no, nope, yeah, like, this isn't happening. What uh, is the, what is the competition that if you had the ten year age gap, that you're like, oh yeah, that ten years, I'm going to be better at this because of I'm oh, younger. Uh, Twelve to twenty. I was gonna say, oh no, no, I was gonna <laughs> say Madden. Uh, you don't you think that if you were in a competition with forty year olds in Madden, you would win because you're thirty? Yes. Because they there is a direct connection. Like, dude, pro- professional esports players have to retire at like twenty six because their their hand eye coordination has diminished too much. So by the time they're forty, their hand eye coordination has got to be just terrible. How's I don't believe you. It, how's your hand eye coordination? It's not great, but I'm thinking that that ten years will make it a more evenly match. And I've played you in Madden, and I've won. Yeah, you're younger than me. Your hand eye coordination <laughs> is much better. All right, I'll play you. We're, we're roughly the same age, aren't we? I believe so. If I think there's only like maybe one year yeah. difference. All right. So this is so we're gonna have to do a third follow up of Danny and I play Madden, and we have to keep track of Tom Hardy's event records. Oh, yeah, his jujitsu career. It's going in my calendar. Who do we know who represents Tom Hardy? Like, is he represented by like BMI or CAA or yeah, like find his agency? Yeah, so that we could reach out and go, "Hi, uh, we're with uh, we're with the fight game in Las Vegas. We would really like to speak to your client about his jujitsu career. We will not ask him a single question about movies. <laughs> it will be like, all right, so what type of training you putting in? That's a great idea. Tom Hardy is with United Agents. Ooh. I do not have any connections with them. His, CAA, I might actually have been able to call somebody. His specific agent is Lindy King. 
Okay, so now listeners, do not bombard Lindy King. That's a, I feel like that's a very generic name. I mean, she's yeah, probably in the UK. We wouldn't be able to get a phone number anyways. Oh, if it's in the UK, that could be a dude's name. <laughs> exactly. So we'll, we'll get this in the works. It'll just be, hey, Tom, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is a local combat sports show in Vegas that cannot get enough of you. We need to... Okay, so th- this needs to be the ultimate goal eventually. Like, live. Live remote from London. We are we are watching it. There are literally like 12 people, and there's three of us with headsets on. Oh, yeah, just an oh, entire show phenomenal. trip. Phenomenal. <laughs> Those other 40 years are going to be like, what's... I knew this would... You bring in Mr. Hollywood, bring in this Hollywood bloke, eh? and then whatever. I can't do the British accent that well. That was not good. Okay, well, that you know what? Okay, well, you know what? We'll work on it. We'll go oh. across the pond, and these other guys will be like, see, you, you have Mr. Hollywood in the tournament, is and it, now he's got guys commentating on it. Do the Raiders happen to play uh, in London They this do year? not have oh, a London okay, game this year. We might, be, we might have been able to. I don't know how many games are in London, but the first one is this weekend, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dang it. We've already missed the chance to go to London. Which is, uh, we still have time. Still got do time? they have sports radio in London? Yeah. Maybe we just take the show across the sea. Yeah, of course. I know they have sports radio in Australia because I was talking to some guy at one of the remotes I was doing, and he was saying sports radio people make a ton of money. What? Yeah. I was talking to a guy at the draft when it was in Vegas, and he was like, yeah, he used to do stuff for Sky Sports over in, uh, he was American, but he used to work over in London and did sports talk over there. So maybe we're missing out on the market. Maybe. Are we moving across the pond? I mean, I apparently. Hey, all right, so uh, re- hands in, guys. December. <laughs> so December third, we got to go out there. You guys got your vacation time saved up? I've got plenty of vacation time. I mean, I've got some vacation time. Well, you can only stay for a day or two then. Yeah, I'll, I'll fly you out fly just for, in, for do the, the call and fly out. Just uh, from Heathrow, get in a black taxi and just drive. Like, I need you to find it. This. Rec center in the middle of the <laughs> <Rec> center. <laughs> just so low budget. We're just gonna set like talk to the you know the officials of the tournament. Yeah, we're just gonna set up our audio equipment. We'll make sure. Yeah, like we don't clear it with anybody. We just buy tickets and they're like, uh, dude, you just gonna bring suitcases in? Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm using my phone. I'm using my phone as a hotspot. All right, and this has been a few good minutes, and that's how we're gonna wrap up the show today. I mean, I want to say thank you to Ryan McKinnell for joining us. I want to say thank you to Mick Akers. Danny is showing something to Jared as we are running out of show. What are you guys looking at that I am not privy to right now as we wrap up? Oh, just uh, just some information that we'll talk about after the show. All right. We're going to London, guys. December. We're going to make it happen. Like I said, thank you to my guests. Thank you for listening. This has been The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Hey, stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody. Peace.